I'm eating all these healthy things. I don't understand why I feel this way, right? And that's for me a cause to go deeper and like really figure out, is there something there? Is there an infection present that we need to figure out? Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. I had such a fun week. I went down to Tennessee to a massive family reunion. I'm talking like 23 people in one single house, four bathrooms, so it's a good thing we're family. But we went down to Norris Lake, which is a lake that I used to go to all the time when I was younger, and I used to ski and boat with my cousins down there, but I haven't been in 10 years. So I got the chance to hang out with my brother and my cousins and my grandma, aunts, uncles, and I got to try my hand at slalom skiing again. I remember 10 years ago, the last time I tried, that I was very nervous about it. I just remember having a lot of anxiety around whether I could do it or not, being a little bit uncomfortable in the water, a little bit fearful, but it was pretty cool because this time I had none of that. The first time I was trying to get up, it did take me a couple of tries, but after that, it kind of came back like riding a bike and I felt really good. I trusted my body, I felt really strong, although I will say that I got a little bit of reinforcement that my grip strength is something that I need to work on, but I felt really good overall and I felt really comfortable on the water and I got better every time that I got up and it was so much fun. Norris Lake is a massive and absolutely gorgeous lake that I don't think I really fully appreciated when I was younger and going down there, but it was a stunning lake and getting to spend all day out on the water and kind of getting a little bit better at an activity that is exhilarating and so much fun. I just had the best week. It was really better than I even imagined it could be. I think one of the best parts was having all of my family members in the boat cheering me on, really caring about how well I was doing. I think one of the things, though, that I can attribute my success to on the water was just detaching from how well I was going to do or how good I was going to be at skiing. I wasn't worried about anybody else being better or worse than me. I was honestly just focusing on my experience and how it felt to be out on the water. And so there was no nervousness or anxiety wrapped around it at all. I just remember when I was younger that I couldn't detach from it that way. I was really worried about how well I would do and how it would look with all of those family members watching me, but this time my mindset was completely different and it was an incredible experience. The whole thing made me really happy and satisfied with how strong my body is, first of all, that it allows me to do things like that and how I just trust my body now and I trust it to take me on these adventures. Really, that is the reason why I train. That's why it all matters. And I've also decided that I'm not going to be waiting another 10 years before I go again. I definitely need to get another trip in sooner rather than later. This week on the podcast, I am having my first repeat guest. So I brought Dr. Emily back onto the show to share a little bit about digestion and gut health, which is one of the areas that she specializes in. 
This episode is chock full of good information and takeaways, so I'm not going to give it too much of an introduction because you're going to get a ton out of all of the amazing things that Dr. Emily shares with us. But we talk a lot about why digestion is important, how you can start dialing in, the things that you can be looking at to understand what might be going wrong with your digestion. We talk about the microbiome, what it is, how it serves us, how we can support it. And then we wrap up by talking about my favorite topic when it comes to the gut, and that is the gut-brain connection. There's so much research coming out about how your gut health and your brain health are so intimately connected, and I think that that is so fascinating, and it really just speaks to this perspective of holistic health where we're thinking about the person as a whole and not in individual pieces. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's an awesome one. I'm so thankful that Dr. Emily was willing to come back on and chat with us. I hope that everybody learns something about their digestion. Let's just talk a little bit, first of all, about why we should care about our digestion. To me, it's, you know, it's that infamous saying of everything begins in the gut. There's so much that can be understood about the health experience through your gut health. And the more and more that the research is focusing there, the more we're discovering its influence on immunity, on hormone health, on sleeping patterns, on nutrient absorption, of course. So it's so incredibly influential to a, to a, a lifelong, healthy, joyous and vital life, right? So I'm incredibly fascinated by it in its entire, so the microbiome in its entirety, that ecosystem that exists inside and how we can, number one, check out what's going on with it and two, how can we shift it if we need to do that? It starts early on in life. The breast milk that you're being fed in in infancy is gonna influence the development of of your microbiome. Whether you were born C-section versus a vaginal birth is gonna influence the microbiome. There's just so many things that are incredibly uh, interesting about it that I always ask about in visits and I think like really enlightens me as to where we need to work. What exactly is the microbiome? People uh, are generally uh, connected to bacteria in the body. So we've got an amount of what we would call healthy bacteria, things that really are working for you. And then there's some that are what I would call, you know, pathogenic or, or not as healthy. And we're just sort of looking at the interplay of that. But also considering that there's other players in there like fungi or another one that don't get talked about a lot and they are important players as well. Sometimes there's parasites involved and we can see other things too. But yeah, it's that whole ecosystem and they're all talking to each other and they're all having uh, basically a party in your gut. If we think about it, your body is actually 10 to 1 bacteria to cells. So it's a huge influence. Yeah, that's incredible, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. almost you can't you can't really wrap your mind around that. I no, mean, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that you know that's in it in its really simple way. That is what's going on uh, in that environment. And what I also find really unique about it is there is so much rapid cell turnover in your gut. It basically every seventy two hours we're getting new cells, mm. which to me is really neat because we can influence it pretty rapidly as well in a positive and a negative way. So let's talk about the process of digestion. So from the time that we eat food and then what all happens and what healthy digestion looks like. I don't think people connect a lot that your digestion actually, to me, it actually starts with, you know, smelling food and visualizing like you're getting digestive enzymes moving as soon as like think about a salt and vinegar chip. 
assume, yeah, you already can like salivate. salivate when you think about it, right? So, right away. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that's the actual first step. And there's a, there's something to that, which is why I just love when we have the opportunity to prepare food at home, because there is a process in like deciding, smelling, you know, in the kind of dance of that. And then of course we've got like, you know, digestion is basically this hollow tube going from your mouth all the way uh, out to the other side. And that's the whole process of digestion, going from the mouth to diet, to chewing, to salivation, to down the esophagus, to the stomach, and to the small intestine, large intestine, and out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got some other players influencing the pancreas, the liver, digestive enzymes, all of that. Sounds complicated, but also like amazing. How long does it take when you eat a bite of food? Generally, how long does it take to go through your digestive system? <laughs> As in like transit time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it can vary for people, but I, I'd say somewhere around 12 hours is a typical amount of time. And you can see transit time being influenced by a lot of things. So essentially your gut motility. One of the biggest players actually in that is serotonin. Which is produced in your gut, Which isn't is it? produced in your gut around the, you know, the estimate around 90% of serotonin is produced in your gut, which is ultimately like gonna be that connection to the brain and feeling good, mood and focus piece. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it also regulates motility. So if you've got your digestion moving really fast, that may be related to the amount of serotonin that's in the gut. Mm. Quicker, potentially a diarrhea type of movement or constipated on the other side can be influenced by serotonin. Interesting. So is there some correlation between lower mood levels, I guess, and being constipated? It's possible. Could there be? I always ask about those things. Mm. Absolutely. Anytime we're talking about practically any issue (laughs) going on, condition going on in the body, be it from mental, emotional, to immunity, to skin, eczema, acne, I am always investigating what's going on there because it's often connected. It's your way to eliminate. Your your digestion is a way to get your metabolic waste out of your body. And so, yeah, you obviously don't want those toxins and things that you don't want in your body sticking around longer. I'm sure that's just, in general, doesn't make you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. And we can even relate that to hormones, right? Mm -hmm. So using hormones, these are going to get the the metabolic breakdown down into the stool. We don't want that sitting around longer to resorb back into the system, right? So it's actually so important for hormonal health. You mentioned at a workshop that we did a couple weeks ago that that can relate to higher estrogen levels Mm -hmm. if you're not eliminating well because your body will, I guess, reuptake kind of those. It's resorbing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's where we talk about things like fiber being so important Mm -hmm. to bind and get your body detoxifying properly. And also appreciating that the bulk of your stool is actually bacteria. It's not necessarily food products, but the bulk of it is bacteria. Yeah. Bacteria from what? Yeah. From moving through the colon. Those little guys are working hard for you overnight um, during the day. And so we want to basically really nourish that environment and think about the things that we're doing that are potentially going to negatively impact that environment. When you're asking people these questions about their digestion, how common is it that they actually have no idea what's going on with their (laughs) digestion and they're just not paying attention? Yeah, I think it's super common. I feel like that was me for a really long time. I actually just... I don't know why, I just didn't consider it. Like I wasn't paying attention to how often I was going to the washroom, what was happening in the washroom. Even my level of bloating, like if someone said, are you bloated? I'd be like, eh, I don't 
don't think so. I just or, actually or am I wasn't just super full. Like I, yeah. yeah, I just wasn't considering it and taking yeah. the time to reflect. So I'm just curious how how common that is. It's really common. And what I also find common is once I start asking those questions, my clients go home and they have an awareness of those questions. Then they come back and they're like, oh yeah, you know what? This is actually happening. I wasn't really aware of it at the time. So I think it's just a spark of that conversation and starting to really listen to or like watch for your rhythms there. So Mm -hmm. most people don't like to look at their stool. It's so (laughs) funny. I swear I'm the opposite. (laughs) I guess now, no, I'm fascinated, you know, but commonly I'll ask like, is there a lot of undigested food in your stool? Do we see a lot of mucus that can indicate inflammation? Like we're at, I'm asking a lot of like very pointed questions mm-hmm. that people might not know the answer to, but they reveal a lot. Like your stool can really reveal a lot of it, what's going on in your health. So it's this cool internal indicator that you have that you can really just look at on your own. Do you have specific ways that you ask people to sort of start dialing in and tracking these things? Do you ever have them kind of like journal about it or is it more open-ended where you're just asking them the questions and hoping that they're more reflective? It's really common that NDs, functional medicine practitioners, will ask you to track Mm -hmm. for a while. Your life is busy, so it's not always that you're going to be paying attention to all these signals. And also what I commonly hear in here is, you know, I can't figure out what food I ate that caused a certain issue because sometimes it doesn't feel like directly connected to the time, right? So tracking or getting a sense of what's going on, how you're feeling around eating. Am I rushing? Am I sitting in front of a computer and, or am I having a conversation with someone that's heated and confrontational? Mm. All of these things are going to impact the secretion of your enzymes and ultimately how you digest. So those are really key things to look for. Mm -hmm. And they might seem slow in the process, right? Because most people want an answer immediately, but like those are so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And if we're thinking about what can we just do without even taking anything to help our digestion, like, you know, chewing your food slowly, moving away from your desk and eating your lunch, you know? (laughs) That's Um, hard for a lot of people. Yeah, it totally is. And I think a lot of work environments aren't set up in a way that people do get that time. My teachers are the best example. They're really busy all day long and they just don't get that downtime. Yeah, it's amazing how much your body has to tell you and can tell you. I've been noticing this as I've been tracking my cycle more, but I know it, it is true for this area as well. When you start thinking about it and writing these things down, your body tells you so much. You just have to know what dots to connect and it's way easier if you have someone guiding you through it, but it's pretty amazing it when is you start paying amazing. attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How often should we be using the washroom? <laughs> as a very general, uh, between one to three times a day formed, satisfying bowel movements. When you're not eliminating enough, that's a big issue. And when you're eliminating too frequently, that's also something we want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't want that transit time to go so quickly that we're not really absorbing our nutrients properly. I'd say one to three times a day. I just showed you, but the Bristol stool chart is what you want to be looking at. If anyone's familiar with this, you want to be between a three and a four. <laughs> Can you tell us what the, what the chart is? Kind of like, yeah. we have it in front of us. Yeah. sort of just generally what the numbers yeah. mean and kind of what they look like. So it goes one to seven. One is a much more constipated type, really dehydrated stool. 
separated hard lumps, all the way to seven, which is not solid at all, very liquidy. And you want to be between three and four. So smooth, soft, easy to pass, formed. That would be like the ideal. I know that, or I've heard that there are ways to tell based on what you see, what your body may or may not be breaking down mm. well. What are the indicators? Sort of like color or like yeah. mucus, yeah. yeah. Or even like a film on the top mm. of uh, the water would be another mm. one. So like thinking about fat malabsorption is one of them. I mean, I commonly will ask, like, do you see spring mix? Banana, not bananas, blueberries is a common one, right? Really? Yeah. I mean, there are the typical things that are harder for our bodies to break down. Mm-hmm. Corn, you know. The, Corn is super hard. Yes. Huh? <laughs> Seeds, like those are like yeah. not abnormal. But when you're starting to see like that go up, also changes in color could be, you know, something to be pay attention to. So mm-hmm. a darker stool, you know, having beets can influence the, the color of it as well. In terms of breaking down macronutrients, I'd really be looking for, especially the film like I talked about on the, on the top of the water and probably color, if anything. What color would be considered abnormal? If you eat beets, you're going to see a different color, but that's normal. Like, it at is what normal, point but you, you wanna... have no idea how many people people forget and like... And, and like, freak out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but yes, a sort of like medium brown color. If we're looking super light, we might be thinking about, you know, producing enough bile from the gallbladder. Um, and then super dark is also going to indicate things, right? Could be like an upper GI bleed, too much iron if you're taking an iron supplement, something like that. So it's starting to adjust and like really noticing if there's a stark change that mm-hmm. occurs. That's what I think you should be most attuned to. Okay. So symptoms that can happen when we when we're eating gas, bloating, burping, things like this. Mm-hmm. What are those kinds of symptoms telling us? What does that mm-hmm. mean? What's going on? It's like interesting because bloating is. Number one, so common. Like I mentioned to you, it's probably one of the most common things I see in here. And it can be related to a lot of different things. How you're eating your food and the timing of your food, not having enough or strong enough digestive enzyme to help bring down the food. Are you really stressed out? So I think there's all of these factors that play in. Ultimately, it's related to a shift in the gut microbiome. So something Mm -hmm. is occurring there and we're not digesting as well as we could be. Mm -hmm. So it's a sign, right? I figure out where in that pathway we could be strengthening your digestive process, be it in your stomach acidity, be it in the chewing process. Maybe you've had a ton of antibiotics in your lifetime and that's really shifted your, um, you know, the, the environment of the gut microbiome. And now we have more dysbiotic or pathogenic bacteria overgrowing. These things all contribute to that. So it's really a matter of like historically going in and going like, what's, what's been going on here? Maybe you've taken a lot of um, NSAIDs for pain over mm. the last little while and that really influenced it, you know. So when you've got chronic issues going on with bloating, gas from either end, is there an odor associated with that gas mm-hmm. is another telltale sign. Those are times to really pay attention. And ultimately you don't feel good every day. Like you don't feel your best vital self when you've got that going on. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Well you're not using the nutrients as well as you could but then also it's just an uncomfortable symptom to have all the time absolutely and then I think you know there becomes like this process of I don't trust that my body is not going to create this response to sometimes to some of the 
simplest and healthiest foods on the list. Mm-hmm. It's so common that, you know, I've got clients that just can't digest like, a salad properly, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm eating all these healthy things. I don't understand why I feel this way, right? And that's for me a cause to go deeper and like really figure out is there something there? Is there an infection present that we need to figure out, you know? Mm-hmm. I really think you shouldn't feel bloated all the time. That's definitely something for you to discover. Lots of raw vegetables can be challenging for people to digest. They can. Sometimes that's common, right? Yeah, it, it definitely occurs. Why would that be? Is that I mean, a low they're like high, 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 yeah, no, they're super fibrous. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, you know, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's like a frenzy for your gut. They're uh-huh. like, wow, fiber, great. Can you tell me about prebiotics and probiotics? Yeah. And the differences, because I think people get them confused a lot, and then what they can do for your gut. A probiotic, we'll start with that because that's probably the most common one, is basically a live organism that can help populate your gut bacteria. And there's many, many, many strains. We might know them as, you know, commonly as the lactobacillus strains, uh, the bifidobacterium strains, and then many more beyond that. Mm -hmm. So they're really used transiently to really help I don't even want to say to inoculate the gut in the same way. They're super helpful, mm-hmm. um, but they're not necessarily going to inoculate the, the intestine. The prebiotics, though, are basically the best way to think about them is they are the food and the fuel for your gut bacteria. When you get to the stage or where you can or you're thinking about, I want to have a lot of prebiotics in my, in my diet or where am I going to get these from? It's really fiber. I'm talking like fiber from your food vegetable like all of that really dense stuff is so important it's one of the things I talk about here in here so often we're not getting enough we're really deficient in our fiber also in thinking about that thinking about the diversity of the fruits and vegetables that you're eating because I know we're super routine eaters you know so I yeah so much I've been thinking about this a lot actually because I've been hearing stats about just how few foods that we actually tend to cycle through on over a week yeah you know you just get stuck in one meal that you have all the time for lunch. Yeah, we're just not getting enough variety, I don't think. You know, you're totally right. Yeah. So they say 15 plus per week, something along those lines, but different, you know, mm-hmm. varieties of fruits and vegetables is what you need, which is, you know, I mean, that's probably a lot less than people are getting. It might be more. I don't even quite think it might be more than that. But even when I look at my own diet, like, you know, I'm like, yep, totally love, you know, those bananas and those blueberries. And that like, I'm just constantly having a similar routine-esque diet because I know what works and I feel good and also what I prefer. But Mm -hmm. I also try to challenge myself to try something new. Today I had papaya. It's not something that I have normally, but it just gives me something different to try and it really helps diversify those gut bacteria that I have so they can grow and flourish and work for me. How much fiber do we need on a daily basis? I mean, I, I mean I'll say 30 grams, mm-hmm. but 30, 35, 40, like that would be amazing. And yeah. also when you're increasing your fiber, don't forget that you need more water. The more fiber you have, the more we need to be able to hydrate your body to move your stool, your bacteria. Is it possible to have an overgrowth of gut bacteria? Yeah, so in which case you wouldn't want to be like using these prebiotics and probiotics as much. Yeah, so um, there is a um, known condition called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and that is a case where those fibers or even like a probiotic can make you not feel great, mm. um, and that that needs to be looked at, and that can you know it is one of the most common 
reasons that we see irritable bowel and that can be looked at through certain testing so if you're noticing that you can't take a probiotic it makes you feel worse or certain fibers really like don't digest well for you and that's what I'm talking about when people are like I'm eating the healthy things and all of a sudden I still don't feel good that makes me look deeper as to what might be contributing to that so yes the answer is yes (laughs) what is candida it's a fungi it's a yeast Ah. in the body and it's commensal there is a normal amount of that in your gut right but that also is something that can overgrow and it is something that I see commonly and needs to be addressed as well. Some of the telltale signs are like just like this intense craving for sugar or even carbohydrates. It's interesting to think about how your gut microbes influence cravings in the body, you know, beyond thinking about... Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, it is really fascinating. If you've had a lot of antibiotics in life, if you are, you know, just loving all the refined sugar and a lot of carbohydrates these are some things that we want to might want to look at and rule out we talked about this before but with the birth control pill sometimes the what i'll call is dysbiosis or a change in the gut bacteria can contribute or cause this overgrowth of yeast so that's something to think about i've heard that we might be genetically predisposed to digest certain macros better than others Mm -hmm. like there might be types in that First of all, is that true? Am I right? (laughs) And then if I am, how would you know what type you are and what works best for you? Mm. Well, I'm not an expert here, but I do have some background in knowing the genomics or the nutrigenomics uh, piece. There are certain genes that we know influence. I don't know if it's directly the gut bacteria. However, there's, I'm sure there's more, you know, research being done on that, but there's genes that influence metabolic factors i like there's one called the fto variant Mm -hmm. it's mostly related to obesity risk and and if we know you have that then we might want to shift the the macronutrient ratio that's going into you right so i would say from that perspective it's there when you say the it's a metabolic factor it's more along the lines of how your body burns the fuel and what it burns better right not necessarily in the digestive tract what's going on exactly but your gut bacteria can influence your metabolism so there's a lot of connection between the environment of the gut bacteria and obesity and an impact on your metabolism as in lowered metabolism. So that's something to think about if you are looking to lose weight, that may be a consideration mm-hmm. in the uh, approach that you're taking. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. How is our digestion related to our circadian rhythm? <laughs> are there certain yeah. times of the day that might be better to have big meals does it not matter? To give the exact like answers on that, I don't know that those exist, but what we do know is that the intestinal bacteria or microbes do have their own rhythm, circadian rhythm, where they're following this 24-hour clock and the way that they're moving within the gut, where they're adhering to the wall, that is shifting over time. And ultimately, that influencing your own circadian rhythm your sleep wake cycles so there can be a connection to that with like insomnia or maybe you're a shift worker and you're up at you know random times during the day or you've got jet lag so there is a connection between those Mm -hmm. two 
And I think that needs a lot more exploration. Mm. But I mean, that just speaks again to the importance of prioritizing your sleep, getting great sleep so that, you know, all of your internal processes and, you know, we'll talk about the gut environment can be at its optimal state. When you say that the gut microbiome can influence your sleep-wake cycles based on the time you eat. You're saying that, for example, if you're eating late at night, you're signaling to your body, to your gut microbiome, mm-hmm. first of all, there's something to do. So mm-hmm. let's let's be active. Let's do yes. something. And then therefore, to yourself, your brain, it's not time to sleep right now. Yeah. Like, we need to digest. Yes, I'm, I'm doing this role right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, you know, like, I know it can be difficult. Like, it just kind of like we were talking about the convenience of life or like your work and sometimes it's hard Mm. to get that meal in you know optimally let's just say like before the sun goes down that's difficult um you know in like traditional Chinese medicine they look at the sleep wake cycles and the clocks and they look at your organ systems and which time they're at their strength and their highest Mm. time and they really do talk about you should be digesting or eating in the wake the the sun the waking hours and Mm. then not as soon as the sun goes down which is really difficult in the winter time here well absolutely because we don't have that much time when the sun is up but also just culturally we just tend to eat so late especially if we're going out or something but these dinner times that are just pushed so late and it's not necessarily doing our circadian rhythms any favors Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also so interesting that every organ and every system in our body is dictated by these rhythms yes it's so neat it's so yeah so interesting i honestly think one of the best things that you can do for your rhythm is get sunlight at the same time every day so get up in the morning and don't make the first thing you do looking at the blue light screen go outside and and even if it's a cloudy day you're really getting your body tuned to that and i'll say the best thing that i've done for myself inspired by you know your community is to walk outside and get vitamin D. And I'm not, you know, contrary to probably a lot of conversations, I'm not wearing sunscreen because I want to absorb that vitamin D. If we're wearing sunscreen, we're we're blocking the vitamin D absorption by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is so important to regulate immunity and hormones. Digestion, I feel, must be also on this rhythm because I go to the washroom at the same time every morning. (laughs) And it's like, two hours on the dot after I've woken up. Yeah. Like, there's got to be something to this, right? (laughs) This isn't by chance. There's some sort of rhythm going on in my body. My system is that regulated over this 24-hour period. Yeah, and how, like for you, how awesome is it that you can listen to that rhythm? Because there's a lot of uh, times where we're not able to, I would say, like, answer the call, right? Fair. It's so (laughs) true, true. where you're like... (laughs) I, yeah. I'm at work right now and I'm just not comfortable with doing this. So, you know, going to the washroom in a public place. So you're not yeah. answering your innate call. I almost, you know, have this internal saying, like, thank you so much, you know, <laughs> that this process occurs so naturally, right? Mm-hmm. You know, having a great bowel movement actually just feels great too. It's like yeah. a release. It's, it's getting rid of what you've metabolized, what you've eaten all night long. So it's a great thing. Please answer your call. <laughs> as much as you can there we go there's a takeaway everyone needs to get over not being able to poo in public because (laughs) it's better for you to just do it just stop holding it in just do it yes (laughs) 
I love it. (laughs) It's sometimes the simplest of things, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of look at like what we do in our daily routines and what is it that we are like doing to contribute. You know, I wholeheartedly believe that sometimes it's just like we just need to hack the simple stuff and we don't need to do crazy things to change the environment. It's so true. It's so true. That's everything I feel like in health and wellness and fitness. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just nail the simple stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if we're not starting there, like, why are we layering on all of these other complicated pieces and stressing out about them? Yeah. Let's just figure out the simplest things. Yeah, it's always in the consistency of the Mm -hmm. daily routine. Like, what is it, like, on a daily basis that's going on for you? Like, a lot of the the whys lie there. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but a lot of them lie there. And so, yeah, I totally believe in that. Let's make sure you're chewing your food. Let's make sure you're not having a heated argument when when you're eating. Let's replenish gut bacteria after you've had an antibiotic round. Like just like things that are yeah right just just help sort of hack the system because the truth is it's not always avoidable. So Mm -hmm. what can we do to help support that? Just quickly, can we touch on antibiotics and what exactly they do to your gut microbiome? Mm-hmm. Do they decrease the amount of bacteria in your gut, mm-hmm. basically? Mm-hmm. They just kill off Doing a like wipe out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think we're really starting to pay attention now as to like, do we really need them for every, you know... Um, I used to get them sort of the all the time. Or, yeah. I got strep like three times in a year and I just yeah. kept taking antibiotics. Yeah. I mean, know? and that's what you would have known, mm-hmm. right? So, of course. So for me, it's also kind of going, okay, there, there is going to be occasions when they're needed. And so what am I going to do on the other side of that? And how am I going to support the nourishing and the flourishing of those gut bacteria back to where they were? There has been an overuse of antibiotics, especially in youth. I see it a lot and I ask a lot about how healthy were you as a kid and like how often did you have antibiotics? Because there's so much occurring, right? The digestive system is um, not fully mature until you're around three. If you have had them in the first year of life, like it de- definitely influences how they, how your digestive environment is going to be created. Mm-hmm. And I also love how so unique everybody's digestive environments are. Yeah, I have like a theory, and this is like not proven at all. Maybe we talked about this, but I think even when you live with someone, you start sharing more similarities in the gut microbiome. And what does that do, you know, to couples and like how they interact and like how they, you know, react with each other, you know, how they so become really similar yes. when they live together? Yeah, yeah. I, I really think there's something to that. I, wow. And that would, you know, so theoretical mm-hmm. for me, but I do think that there's something there. I like that. Someone mm-hmm. should do some research on that because. I bet. I wouldn't be surprised. Act similar, look similar. Right. Yeah, totally. I'm going to divert a little bit here. I am very curious why it might be challenging for certain people to digest certain things together. And I'm mostly talking macros here. Um, so things like protein and carbs at the same time. How common is it that it's hard for people to digest those things together? I'll take this a little bit more of the traditional Chinese medicine approach where it's like thinking about, they call it digestive fire. It's like your digestive fire is out. You know, when you're having a hard time, like breaking things down, you're eating really like healthy, maybe eating paleo. And I've been experimenting with using some uh, principles of food combining and just kind of seeing for myself, how does this work? There's not a lot of deep research on it. And, you know, from a physiological perspective, it shouldn't really matter. Like your body knows how to digest, your stomach acid knows how to break things down and you create chyme that's moving through. But I'm going to be honest, I've seen a lot of amazing results from using some of these techniques, i.e., you know, thinking about your gut like a conveyor belt, going 
want to put the easiest things to digest in it first in the day and then move to some of the harder things. That's the, you know, the general idea around it. And I have seen pretty amazing shifts for people by doing some of these separation pieces. So, you know, my mindset goes to, is it like that there is a lack of digestive fire, we'll call it with Chinese medicine, or does their hydrochloric acid need to be optimized eventually? You know, what's going on below the surface? But I find it's really helpful in a short period of time to help the experience of gas and bloating. Mm. It really transforms. So their principles are having fruit alone, empty stomach, don't pair that with anything else, and then not not mixing protein and carbohydrate is the other big one. Just anecdotally, I've seen a lot of shifts for people. And at the same time, when we're working on, you know, maybe using that as just like a pause and to help, also working on that underlying environment. Where do we need to help support, you know, can we add more fibers in and like help flourish those good bacteria? Like, do we need to do some liver support? Do we need to help the, you know, the hydrochloric acid in the stomach, which is so commonly an issue for people? And I'm not talking too acidic, I'm talking the opposite. Mm-hmm where we're getting a lot of reflux and burping. (laughs) So yeah, so I mean, ultimately I think it just really helps when the body is needing something simple for a moment. It's against a lot of the traditional ways that I've thought of, Mm -hmm. well, how do you construct a meal? And how is it well balanced? And, you know, even this blood sugar regulation of maybe not just straight carbs first thing in the morning, right? There are all these different considerations. So it's really fascinating and challenging Mm -hmm. perspective to start thinking about, but definitely interesting because I mean, like I was saying, I have a client who Dr. Emily just got on this protocol where she's starting out with carbs. She's always had digestive issues and literally within one week she walked into the gym and I saw a massive change in her body and the way that she looked and how she it just looked like she looked healthy she looked amazing and I saw it immediately it is definitely something I don't think it's for everybody and I have the same thoughts as you do around you know I'm, I'm a huge fan of blood sugar regulation and how do we pair those together you know fat fiber greens mm-hmm. protein right um but it's like when that's not working and we're still getting bloating or we're still having challenges with bowel movements then I start going okay what else can we do and what's going to produce a result that's fast and people someone's going to feel better fast that is one of the ways I'll use especially if there's major digestive concern going mm-hmm. on Especially for somebody, obviously, where the blood sugar regulation isn't an issue for them and they're at a healthy weight and it really is just these digestive symptoms that are going on. But I'll also throw the wrench in there that a lot of, um, we call this metabolic endotoxemia, but that there's certain gut bacteria, breakdown products of gut bacteria that can influence blood sugar regulation. Mm. So, you know, like there's, there's kind of this other pathway to think about too, that is contributing to that yeah so I mean you know me I always test so I always know like what's going on um, from you know an insulin resistance picture with everybody and I'll make a choice based on that I don't even know scientifically I just really like have noticed anecdotally and clinically that it really helps especially in the short term definitely Mm -hmm. something interesting to think about yeah yeah Mm -hmm. You're like, am I going to try it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Probably at some point. (laughs) 
What does it mean to have a leaky gut, quote-unquote? Yeah. yeah, leaky gut. Such an interesting and, like, trendy topic. There's a buzz to term. Yeah, it. totally. Mm-hmm. So the gut wall itself is a very tightly regulated barrier to keep the things in that should be in the gut and keep the things out that should be out of the gut, right? So thinking about, like, those – that we call them tight junctions. So the gut permeability is, is tightly regulated, and there are certain things that can influence the permeability of that membrane. And I think it's a better way to say it as an increased or a compromised intestinal permeability. Mm-hmm. That's not as good of a buzzword, though. It's not as good of a buzzword. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But if we've got, you know, sort of this um, increased intestinal permeability, like now we're getting smaller molecules that are supposed to be contained within throughout the body in terms of, you know, into the bloodstream, that can be challenging, right? So, you know, even in terms of skin, in terms of immunity, joint pain, brain fog, hormonal issues, insomnia, like these are huge pieces, uh, blood sugar regulation, as I was just mentioning, that we want to pay attention to. And so, you know, there are major things that can influence the intestinal permeability, biggest ones we've already chatted about, but antibiotics, NSAIDs, birth control pill, Sometimes certain foods can cause that. That's kind of a cyclical conversation, but you know, uh, gluten can be one of them. Sometimes dairy. So it's just identifying what's going on, and also you know that great conversation around stress is going to increase the intestinal permeability. You know, ultimately it's interrelated. People often ask me, "Can you test for it?" And you can, but it's not usually the first thing I go to. They're just a big commitment to do. So we, we go through other pieces of, of supporting digestion first. But, you know, yeah, there is, I would say, a big issue with that going on. You mentioned gluten and dairy. Are there any other certain foods that can be generally inflammatory to the gut or um, damaging to the gut microbiome? Yeah. Our number one is going to be refined sugar. <laughs> and also alcohol. Seed oils can be one of them. So the the crappy canola oils, <laughs> for a better way of saying the that. oils nobody yeah. should be touching. Yeah, vegetable oils, processed canola. foods. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, this is like an old saying that I've heard moons ago on a podcast. But just eat real food. You know, real food in its whole form. We've you know reconfigured it, and it's now that I know there's big conversations right now on Beyond Burger and all this, and like what is you know it's it's basically this refined product really thinking about eating real food and anything that sort of lies outside of that can be um, compromising to your gut and your health entirely what is the beyond burger conversation this the new vegan alternative to a burger and basically that it's quite processed got it right so it's not like just having a piece of meat and right isn't processed that's just another example of something that's refined and processed and we need to think about how much of that are we putting in our system. So just generally thinking about these foods that are in the health food aisle and that you know are gluten-free and they're marketed to us as good for us yeah, I mean, can often be the most processed products that are on the market. Yeah, totally. Like You just need to have a real eye for being mindful about what you're putting in. And then, you know, opposite, there's also great products out there, so I don't want to... Um, downplay that but it's just looking at like you know how much refined sugar is in here how much uh, refined oils are in here like what do I need to be looking at and that's potentially going to cause an increased inflammation in the system 
yes, we see, you know, issue with gluten for a lot of people, not for everybody, but for a lot. And then often dairy comes along with that. But I always take the approach of, I really take everyone as an individual and go like, what is going to work best for you? Awesome. This is one of my favorite topics related to the gut. Um, And we did touch on it a little bit, but I just want to loop back around because I know that, you know, research is starting to show this very strong connection between the gut and our brains. Mm -hmm. Brain health, especially later in life, mood, you know, our cognition or brain fog. It's just fascinating that something that affects who we are and the way we interact with the world can be so influenced by our guts. And it's just another, you know, it's another case for why we really do need to be so mindful about what we're putting in our bodies and what we're eating. Do you have any thoughts on that connection or do you have any insights to it? You know, why it is we talked about how serotonin is produced in the gut, but are there any other yeah, I mean, like, ways that it's connected? Totally, like in terms of like neurotransmitters, stress. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like you said, this is now like just really becoming coming to the surface, right? And we're discovering more about that. But I think the biggest one being serotonin. Uh, our gut also produces some uh, short chain fatty acids, mm-hmm. and those are really important also, just to, you know, for the functioning of the gut overall, like helping the neurotransmitters to f- fully form and be utilized. It's almost like if you can think about having that nervous stomach before performance, mm-hmm. right? And you think about that connection, right? So it's like, or a gut feeling on something. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. Like so, we've known this. We know that. I don't know that we know that some kind of our intuition exists in our gut, but this is the first time that I'm hearing about it explicitly. <laughs> yeah, you yeah know? exactly. Exactly. And like even thinking about approaching from a mental, emotional perspective, depression, anxiety, and even like you're saying, dementia related uh, conversations, you know, and how can we help support it? Is there a correlation between the gut and the brain? A hundred percent. And that's going to become I would say almost a more staple and hopefully like a more staple conversation in offices with people and starting the approach there rather than, um, you know, kind of mediating some symptomatically what's going on. I feel like this piece of it is gets most for me at the big picture. This like this is why I care about. Yeah. Digestion because of this really intimate mind body connection. You can't separate the two and your thoughts, moods, emotions, like all of these things are influenced by what you're putting in your body. Are you digesting it well? You know, it's just so closely related that we can't just ignore it. No. You know, on the other side of this, I have this just desire to not compartmentalize ourselves. Like, you know, like, so it's easy to kind of go like this and then I got to focus on this. As you're saying, everything is so connected and the conversations are so connected. When we start to influence one area of the body, what's so neat about that is we can we see the shifts happening in other areas without even directly influencing them. I just find that is like the best way to be like, yeah, we are connected. Yes, this system integrates and has a conversation over here. So, you know, if there's anything to take away, it's it's knowing that we can definitely influence and that we're connected. Awesome. Do you have anything to add? Was there anything that you burning that you wanted to say about digestion that we (laughs) didn't get to? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the common things that I'll see, because people usually come to me when they're really fed up. They're like, I'm really tired of feeling this way, you know. 
And one of the things that I really focus on supporting the uh, hydrochloric acid in the stomach and that part, it's really huge. Uh, number one, to sort of get rid of and kill off parasites and things and bacteria mm. that's on your food. Two, to break down your protein properly. So like that's a big one. And it's one that I think people are not attuned as much to. Also, recognizing if there is an internal or underlying, you know, overgrowth or an infection of some sort. Like, sometimes they're low grade and they're there. So, if all the regular things, you've been doing it, you've been eating well, you've been having the probiotics and all these things, if they're not shifting you, then I would look deeper into that and figure out, is there something else there that I need to treat? Getting people to chew their food more, be calmer, breathe more down into your gut. Those are huge pieces. Work out, get circulation going. Like all of that is on a daily routine of, of keeping that gut healthy. And add fermented foods. Kimchi, sauerkraut, maybe a little bit of kefir if you can handle it. Just a little bit can really help to build that good microbiome. Awesome. Remind us how we can connect with you and how we could book a consult with you. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. So on Instagram, it's at dr.emily.nd. The clinic is well, B-Y-N-D, which stands for beyond or well by NDs. So we have a, an online booking site. You can go there. And you know, we offer a 15-minute free complimentary visit so that we can get to know each other. I think it's such an important thing that you feel connected to whomever you're working with. Um, so we offer that as part of it. And that's, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this week, guys. I hope that everyone enjoyed that episode and enjoyed hearing from Dr. Emily. Remember, we release a new episode of How Do You Feel every Monday morning, so be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss one of those. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or through the podcast website. You can catch up with me and follow along with my journey on Instagram at KCMZav. If you have someone in mind that you think could learn from this episode and would benefit from hearing more about digestion, please share this episode with them and help spread the word about How Do You Feel. Thanks so much, everybody. Have an amazing week. Make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.